Thank you for joining us on We Love San Diego. Our host, Ryan McFadden, is one of the most in-demand evangelists today. As an actor who shared the screen with the likes of Robin Williams and Don Johnson and later became part of the MTV comedy tour, life mapped out in front of him. But through the power of the gospel, God radically changed his life and perspective to go on from being served to serving. Today, Ryan and his wife, Rose, run one of the premier Christian outreach organizations in the country called We Love San Diego, as they bring church to the people, bringing hope to the hopeless, and serving those that society often turns a blind eye towards. Join us today as Ryan shares a message of hope that we believe will impact your life and inspire you to live the life that God is calling you to live. Now, here's your host of We Love San Diego, Ryan McFadden. Well, thank you so much for listening today to We Love San Diego. I'm Ryan McFadden. I pray that this message today blesses your life and that God reveals the truth to you that only he can. Well, first of all, before we start, Happy New Year. Uh, This is my first show of 2024. I took the last couple of weeks off to spend time with our family. We had a a fun Christmas, a, a nice Christmas. My daughter, uh, her favorite gift that we we got her so many presents, and this is crazy. But you know what her favorite gift is? A piece of luggage. She got she was at a store and she saw one of those rolling luggage things and she just loved it and she wanted it. And out of all the gifts that we got her, that it, she plays with that every single day. She is four. I don't know. I, this makes no sense to me. She has referred to this luggage as her sister. I don't know what that means. Again, there's probably someone listening to this that is going to recommend counseling. I hope not, but she loves it. Um, That was her best gift. We could have saved a ton of money by only getting her that since that's the only thing she even cares about. But she got luggage, and uh, again, she is only four. We also got her brother, who's 10 months old luggage, uh, so he didn't feel left out. He's not really aware that he got luggage, but uh, he also has a rolling uh, cart that my daughter is also playing with, and she refers to that as her brother. So really great Christmas at the McFadden household. Hope you had a good one as well. And again, happy new year. And I want to give you kind of a a, a New Year's pep talk type of message uh, here today. And I want to start out telling you about one of my favorite movies growing up. I'll give you some spoiler alerts here, uh, but one of my favorite movies growing up was really the whole Rocky Balboa series, and I don't know if you've seen this. It's been out, I think it came out in like, what, 76 or 77 was the first one, so you've had time. I'm going to tell you some things that happened in that movie. Don't get mad at me. You've had time. If you haven't seen it yet, you've had ample time to have watched it. But I love the Rocky movies. I loved all of them. Growing up, Rocky 1 through 4 was really kind of in my wheelhouse. I don't even think Rocky 5 came out until uh, I was much older. So Rocky 1 through 4 was really what I grew up with. Rocky 1 and 2, they are underdog stories. And I love underdog stories. I, I love watching stories about, you know, stories about people that really nothing's expected of. And they do these amazing things. And they're underdog stories. Rocky 1, here's the scenario. There is a champion by the name of Apollo Creed, and he's going to fight this other guy, not Rocky, in Philadelphia. But the guy ends up getting hurt right at the last minute before they're going to fight, and all the promoters are talking. They're like, well, we've already sold tickets. We've booked the arena. What do we do? Because no good fighter wants to step in because they don't have time to prepare for the fight, so they're not going to look good. So they're like, well, no one else wants to take this fight. And they come up with this idea, why don't we give a nobody? 
just a local nobody a chance at fighting the champion, and that's who Rocky Balboa is. He's what you would term a journeyman. He's fought a ton of fights. Like, let's, I, I, this is just a random number. Like, let's say he's fought like 60 fights. He's won 30, he's lost 30. So he's not a terrible fighter, but he's also not a good fighter. He wins half the time, he loses half the time. And they give him a chance to fight the champion. He's Italian. There's a lot of Italian people in Philadelphia. So they're like, hey, people are going to get behind this guy. And everyone really knows what's going to happen, or they think they do. He's going to get in there. He's going to lose in the first round. Like, this is the champion of the world. Rocky Balboa is not anywhere in this guy's league. He's just going to get pummeled. And he goes into the fight, and he does get pummeled. He gets beat to a pulp. But the amazing thing is, although he loses the fight, he lasts the entire fight with a champion. He lasts all 15 rounds, which is what they used to do back in, in those days in terms of the, the rounds that they fight. And the whole point of the movie is that he stuck in there with the best and he stuck it out even though he didn't win the fight. It's an underdog story. Rocky II is a very similar storyline, except this time Rocky wins. And again, he is an underdog that overcomes. Rocky III, however, is not an underdog story. It's the other type of story that I love, and it's a comeback story. It's a comeback story because here's what happens. So once Rocky becomes a champion, he becomes wealthy and he becomes famous and he fights all these guys that are decent fighters and he beats all of these guys and he loses that hunger and desire that he used to have and he's now going to retire. But there's a guy that is what Rocky used to be by the name of Clubber Lang who decides to show up to Rocky's in a press conference where he's going to retire and call out the champ. And say, yeah, you're going to retire because you're afraid to fight me. That guy, Clubber Lang, is played by 1980s toughest man in the world, Mr. T. If you didn't grow up in the 1980s, you don't realize that Mr. T was the toughest individual that ever existed on the face of the earth in the 1980s. That's who Clubber Lang is. And he talks Rocky into fighting him. And Rocky goes into that fight, even though his manager doesn't recommend that Rocky do this because his manager doesn't think Rocky can win. And his manager was right. And he gets destroyed. And now Rocky is faced with a decision. Do I quit because it looks like I'm never going to beat this guy? Or do I stay in the fight and see what can happen? I say all of this to ask you this question. How did 2023 go for you? Are you like Rocky Balboa right now saying, man, I'm faced with a dilemma where I can either quit and give up on this goal that I've set time and time again and always failed, or am I going to stay in the fight? Every single year, I like to look back at the goals that I set. I, I'm not a New Year's resolution person. I call them goals, but in reality, they're the same thing. I look back at all the things I want to accomplish over the last year, and most of the time, there's things that I did well, and there's things that I didn't do well at. And I'm always faced with that same decision that Rocky Balboa was faced with. Do I stick it out and try to see if I can do it this year or do I just give up and say, hey, it's not in me? One of the things I'll point out, I'll give you an example in my life that I always, I mean, this is going back to like my freshman year of high school. This is how long this has been a goal in my life, maybe even longer than that. It was to get in shape. I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to lose weight. Now, I think this is like the number one resolution or goal that people set every single year. And some years I did really well, and some years I didn't do very well uh, at it. Um, back in my in my high school days, I was playing baseball, and although I am not the tallest man in the world, I saw myself as a power hitter, so it didn't matter if I had some extra weight on me. But after high school ended and I became an actor and I started doing modeling, that became an issue. Well, I got down, I mean, I had a period, I had a run there 
of many years when I was doing modeling where I was lean and mean. Like I lost over 50 pounds. And because here's the reality in, in the modeling world, what will happen is like my agent would call me up, say on a Tuesday at 3 p.m. to tell me that, hey, you're going to go do a go see. Go see is just a word for audition in the modeling world. It's like go see this person. So it's like, hey, you have a go see tomorrow at 10 a.m. to go see this casting director. I couldn't tell my agent, hey, I need a week to get in shape. There were You didn't know what the audition was going to be like. You always had to be ready to go. So I had a run when I was doing that that I was always in shape. I had to be because I didn't want to go in and embarrass myself if, you know, say, for example, the audition would say I wasn't wearing a shirt. I apologize for the visual on that, but those were some of the things that you were doing and I didn't want to embarrass myself. So I, I had a good run of being in shape. But once I stopped doing that, the incentive kind of went away. So now, I mean, I'm faced always every single year. I want to get in shape. And here's typically what would happen. This is the two scenarios that would happen. Maybe you can relate to this, even if it's not about getting in shape, whatever that area is for you, there's always that roadblock that would hit, that would hit me and derail me. So one, it, it, one scenario would be like, all right, I hit this year strong. Three, four weeks in a row, I'm going to the gym every single day. I'm eating salads. I don't want to eat a salad, but I'm eating salads because this is a goal and I'm focused and I'm at the gym hardcore, nonstop. I'm doing it. I'm seeing results. I'm not even seeing my friends again. This is like in my single days. And three, four weeks in, all of a sudden I get a call from one of my friends and they're going to tell me, hey, we haven't seen you in a long time. You want to go out with us? We're going to go out to dinner tonight. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm really focused. I'm going to the gym. I'm, I'm getting in shape. You know, this year I'm really, really hitting it hard. And I'd say, but yeah, I miss seeing you guys. Where, where are you guys going? And they would say, I, I kid you not, this was almost every single time they'd say, oh, well, we're going to go to a buffet. Let me tell you a secret about Ryan McFadden. I love a buffet. I grew up on buffets. My dad would take me to a buffet every single Friday, just about. I know buffets probably better than anyone, I would say, in my inner circle. When they say they're going to go to a buffet, it's like, that's music to my ears. But here's the problem. I'm not in the buffet mindset anymore. I'm getting in shape. I'm at the gym. But I want to see my friends. And here's what would happen. And I think you can relate this to so many different areas in life. I would lie to myself. Not on purpose, but I would lie to myself. And here's what I would say to myself. Hey, this is about seeing your friends, not about going to a buffet. You can go to a buffet and it doesn't mean you have to eat a buffet. You can go and just get a salad, one, one plate and drink water. Because again, it's about hanging out with your friends, not about eating a buffet. So you can go and you just don't have to actually partake in the buffet. And I would convince myself to go. And as soon as I got inside those doors, all the exotic meats, the fried chicken, the smells would start to hit my nose and it was just intoxicating. And I would say, oh man, I miss this. And then here's what would happen as I was standing in line at the buffet uh, to pay to, to get in there. I would lie to myself again. I'd say, man, Ryan, you've been doing so good. You've been eating salads for three weeks now, four weeks now. You've been going to the gym every single day. One day is not going to hurt you. It's not going to kill you. Just have fun. Hang out with your friends. Get to eat a buffet. And tomorrow, hit the gym again. You'll be fine. Everything will be fine. And I do. One plate, two plates, three plates. Oh, they have desserts. Oh, I got to get the desserts. And I start loading up. And here's what happens if you've been eating well for three or four weeks in a row and eating nothing but salads. When you eat a crazy amount of food like that, the next day, you have a food hangover. 
So guess what happens the next day? I don't go to the gym because I'm trying to recover from the buffet last night. So I don't go to the gym. And I skip that day. And when I skip that day, I feel really good. Like, man, I needed a break. This is good. I did need a break. Friends will call me up, say, hey, you know what? We're going to go skiing. We lived in Northern California. It's like, hey, we're going to go to Tahoe. When are you going to go? We're going to go in two days. Do you want to come? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now, here's my thought process. Well, I'm going to go to Tahoe. I don't want to go to the gym, work out for one day, and then be in Tahoe for three or four days and not go to the gym. So I'll just skip the gym this one day again. And we go to Tahoe. We have a good time. And we probably eat another buffet or two. And before I know it, we come back home and it's been one month, two months, three months before I went back to that gym. I'm like, man, time has gone by fast. I haven't gone to the gym now in three months. What happened? I was so focused. I was doing so well. But all of a sudden I got derailed by it. And I think six months into the year, I'll look back and I look at it and I say, man, if I just would have stuck with what I was doing, I'd be exactly where I want to be right now. But I got derailed. Sometimes it was my friend's fault. I'll blame them, even though it was really my fault. Sometimes it was just really my fault, plain and simple. I was in Whittier, California. I'd have the same scenario, go to the gym, start of the year, everything's going good. But here's how you know there's a God, and here's how you know there's a devil. At the gym, LA Fitness that I would go to, when you turn into the shopping center, I think it was in La Mirada, and I'd turn into La Mirada, the shopping center there, that had LA Fitness, and right on the corner, on the left-hand side, was a Krispy Kreme Donuts. And here's the thing. I knew it was there. So when I would get close to the shopping center, I would turn off my air conditioner and roll up my windows because I didn't want any of the smells to hit me. And I was like, I'm not going to look to the left. And I would even tell myself, don't look to the left. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the left. And most of the time, I would go through. But sometimes, every now and then, I would peek. And I would just glance to see if Krispy Kreme was still in operation. Had they closed their doors? I don't know because I haven't looked to the left in so long. And as I would do that, I would see that hot now sign in bright red. And I would think to myself, man, really? They're hot now? I'm wearing a garbage bag underneath my clothes because that is a poor man's way of cutting weight. If you're someone that's ever wrestled before, you wear like a sauna suit. This is, again, what poor people like myself would do is you wear a garbage bag under your clothes. I have a garbage bag on and I'm turning left to go into the drive-thru at Krispy Kreme. And I get a dozen donuts because I didn't really want to go to the gym in the first place. And I go home and I watch TV for the rest of the night, eating as many of those dozen donuts as I can. By the way, still wearing the garbage bag the whole time because I'm thinking, well, at least I'm sweating it out a bit. And that would be that I get derailed again. Year after year, I would hit this and I would start to think to myself, you know what? Maybe I just don't have the ability to do this. But then I would read Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'd say, well, there goes that. It's not an ability issue. Well, maybe it's a resource issue. Like maybe if I had better friends around me, a better facility, people that could motivate me to do this, maybe then I could do it. And then I'd read Philippians 4.19 that says, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches. And I said, well, if it's not an ability issue and it's not a resource issue, then it's, it, it, it's me. I, I am my worst enemy. And I think most of the time that is the case for us. In fact, I have a friend, Brittany. And Brittany, she wakes up early in the morning, like 5 a.m. to go to the gym every single day. And she's done this for years. And I remember one day I was spending the night uh, at the house and Brittany's more like a sister of mine. And I remember telling her she'd come back from the gym. I was in the kitchen. And I remember asking her a question kind of as a joke. Uh, I asked her this question. I was like, man, because again, she's gone every single day for years and I could never do this in my mind. Like this is just impossible 
to get up that early and go to the gym. And I, I asked her, I said, hey, when, when that alarm goes off, do you ever just want to go back to sleep? And here's what I'm thinking she's going to tell me. Oh, no, never, Ryan. I'm a morning person because here's, here's me. I'm not a morning person. So again, that was my excuse as to why she was able to do it and I couldn't. I thought she was going to say, oh, no, I'm a morning person. When that alarm goes off, I'm excited. Uh, I go to the gym, and it just gives me energy for the rest of the day. That's what I was expecting to hear because though that is the opposite of me. If I go to the gym at 5 a.m., I've tried it earlier in my life. I'm dead the rest of the day. I'm exhausted. So I'm thinking like she has something that I don't. So when I asked her, hey, hey, when that alarm goes off, do you ever just want to go back to bed? And you know what she told me? It shocked me. She said, Ryan, every single day. Every single day when that alarm goes off, all I want to do is stay in bed. She goes, when I'm brushing my teeth, I'm looking at myself in the mirror saying, what are you doing? Just go back to sleep. I'm so tired. She goes, but I know if I can just get in the car and start heading off to the gym, then I'm going to go and do it. And it shocked me because I said, that's what I feel. So why can she do it and I can't? And here's the reality of that situation of why she can do it. I'm going to tell you another story and then I'm going to connect the dots for you. Forgive all the stories I'm telling you here back to back. There was a guy, and this is not a weight loss message, even though this is turning into a weight loss message. You can relate this to any single thing you're trying to accomplish in your life. There was a guy. He weighed over 100. He was over 100 pounds overweight. And we'll call him Mike because his name is Mike, but you don't know him. So Mike wanted to lose weight, but he was 100 pounds overweight. And some years he would start out like me, hardcore, doing good, but he'd always fall back into his old habits. Well, one day he found out his daughter was really sick and she needed a new kidney. Now, if you've ever faced this scenario, whenever a family member needs a kidney, they will test all the other family members and find out like who could be a potential match. Well, no one in the family was a match except for Mike. And Mike, hearing this, obviously loves his daughter, he says, well, man, let's do it today. Put me on the table. Take it out. It's, it, it, let's go. And the doctors told him we can't. They said, Mike, you, number one, it's not, a healthy, uh, it's not a healthy kidney to begin with because of, of your weight. But beyond that, we don't even know if you would survive the operation. And he was devastated because he realized that his lifestyle was preventing him from giving his kidney to his daughter. Like the decisions that he had made is preventing this. And he asked the doctors, he goes, how much time do I have? He said, well, I don't know, a few months. I kid you not, this is a true story. This is not uh, a metaphorical story. Within a few months, Mike lost all 100 pounds that he was overweight. He was able to give his uh, kidney to his daughter and he was able to, he was able to do something that he ne- was never able to do before. And it was like, well, why was he able to do it now so successfully and, and not easy, but because of the short time period, you'd say easy, But before, he was never able to do it. And here's what I want you to walk away with today. You can apply this to any area of your life. Here's why Mike was able to do it then, but not before. Until your commitment is stronger than your feelings, you'll never succeed. Let me say that again. Until your commitment level is stronger than your feelings, you're never going to succeed. Whatever area of life it is, whether it is losing weight, whether it's saying, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every single day. I'm not going to drink any alcohol this year. I'm going I'm to give up alcohol forever. I'm not going to do any drugs. I'm going to give them up forever. Whatever area of life it is, until your commitment is stronger than your feelings, you will never find success. Because here's the reality. You're not always going to want to do it. I know this is a Christian show, but let's be honest. You don't always want to read your Bible. You don't always feel like praying. 
But if you committed to doing it every single day, how do you overcome that? Until your commitment is stronger than your feelings, you're never going to succeed. Your commitment level, when you, if you're trying to lose weight and you say, man, I want to, I want to lose weight, your commitment has to be stronger than going and eating the buffet. Your commitment level has to be stronger than going and, and getting that bunch of candy that's on sale, the Christmas candy, because now it's 75% off. Man, what a deal. This was $4 a couple weeks ago. Now it's a dollar. I'm going to load up on this. I've done it. I went to Albertsons one time and a giant bag of Starburst. I think it was like a quarter. It was usually like $3. I don't know. I should have checked the expiration date. It was probably expired and that's why it was so cheap. I got $40 worth of these at times four. I got 160 bags of Starburst. This isn't recent. This is like in my early 20s. I remember after two or three bags, I couldn't even stand the, the taste of it. I was giving it away to people. But it was like, this is such an incredible deal. Until your commitment is stronger than your feelings, you will never succeed. That is your answer of how are you going to overcome whatever issue you faced before, whatever has derailed you in the past, you have to have your commitment level raised to the level above your feelings. You have to come up with a plan. Matthew 12, 43 through 45, it gives us this story. It says, when an evil spirit, this is Jesus talking, he says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty and swept clean. Then it goes out and finds seven other spirits, even more evil than itself. And they all return to this person and live there. So the person is worse off than before. What do I mean by this? If you're coming up with a goal or a scenario, a New Year's resolution, whatever you want to call it for 2024 without a plan, you're like that person that cleans the house but puts nothing good inside it and that evil spirit comes back and says, man, this is even better than it was before. I'm going to get all my friends and we're going to come back in and we're going to live here. You got to come up with a plan. You got to come up with a plan based on the failures you've had. Just failing in the past can be a great thing. Because you can look at all the things that you did wrong and say, well, I know I can't do this. I know I can't go to the buffet. I don't have the commitment level at the buffet to avoid it, so I'm just not going to go. I, I ran into this with, uh, with my prayer life. I realized that if I don't pray first thing in the morning, I'm probably not going to pray at all during the day because I get focused on my, on my work and there's always something to do. And I'll say, well, I'll pray in an hour. And I look at the clock and an hour later, I don't really feel like it. I'm doing work. And I'll say, I'll pray in two hours. And as the day goes on, the less likely I am to do it. And if I do do it, it is absolutely just simply like checking a box so I can feel good saying, oh, I did it. But there's really no emotion behind it other than checking that box. So based on that failure, I realize I have to tweak it and I got to do it first thing in the morning. You know what I do now? I get up at five in the morning like Brittany. I don't want to get up at five in the morning. I got up at five in the morning today. I've been doing this. I get up at five in the morning because my kids aren't up. My wife's not up. There's nothing else. to. I can pray. I can read my Bible. I can go exercise. I can do all the things that I wasn't finding time to do. Now, am I a little tired as it gets to be eight or nine o'clock at night? Yeah. I got to sacrifice a little bit of time at night and go to bed a little bit earlier, but I get up early. I'm telling you, you can overcome whatever that goal is that you've been struggling at. And you can stay in the fight like Rocky Balboa did and said, I'm going to find a way as long as your commitment level is stronger than your feelings. And this is the year you're going to do it. I'm behind you. God's behind you. And you're going to find that success. 
Thank you for joining us for We Love San Diego with Ryan McFadden. We pray that this message has blessed your life. If you'd like to learn more about We Love San Diego or to partner with us, visit welovesandiego.org, spelled W-E-L-U-V-SanDiego.org. That's W-E-L-U-V-SanDiego.org. For additional messages, find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts at We Love San Diego. Also, if you live in the San Diego area, you can find out where and when the next outreach event is by following We Love San Diego on Facebook and Instagram. We so value you listening to our show today and hope you tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. as we bring another message of hope to you and your family. And as Ryan always says, find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. This has been We Love San Diego. There's jewelry, and then there's jewelry by Isabella Rose Design Company. Isabella Rose Design Company makes handmade jewelry for a cause. All their sales go towards fighting human trafficking. Using polymer clay and precious metals, their modern jewelry designs have helped them become one of the fastest growing jewelry companies in the world. Feel good and look good knowing that you're making a difference in the area of human trafficking. Visit them today at IsabellaRoseDesign.co. That's IsabellaRoseDesign.co. When the COVID-19 pandemic struck, We Love San Diego sprung into action, giving out over 30,000 pounds of food and supplies, as well as over 50,000 diapers to those in need. Today, the outreach continues as they give out over 60,000 pounds of food and supplies to over 10,000 families who otherwise wouldn't know where their next meal was coming from. Visit welovesandiego.org to help out and become the hands and feet of Jesus. That's welovesandiego.org.